Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing so far? So far, so good? All right. Yes, the worship was awesome, awesome, awesome. I want to continue that going. I hope God's meeting you here today, praying that he just continues to meet you as well. For those of you back, welcome back. And if you're here visiting, I just want to say welcome to you. My name's Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. And for those of you watching online, wherever and whenever you're watching this, I want to say hello to you. Thanks for taking advantage of that, wherever you may be doing that. Before we get to the message, I want to do something. I want to bring up Sydney Legg this morning, if she's here. Come on up, Sydney. Sydney is answering a unique call by God. Uh, she is moving to Haiti uh, to teach full-time, but also to be uh, a minister in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's just a unique call that she's doing. And so I feel like for us as a church, it's not only important to recognize people when they, when they find these unique calls and go, but that we also commission them in the name of Jesus Christ as a church family, that we recognize that. And we, we send her forward with prayers and protection and boldness and courage and all that stuff. So we're gonna do this. I get a little emotional because... I mean, she watched my kids, and it's just awesome to see this happening. So you get the advantage of the first service, because I just now just connected eye to eye here now. It's just like maybe the second service will be a little bit better here. But we're going to um, commission you in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's pray as a church for her. Let's lift it up. Let's, if you want to reach a hand out, go ahead and reach a hand out, whatever you want to do. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we commission this woman of Christ. God, she's been empowered by the call, and it's just so awesome to see her answer that call. I think that this is just a, such a unique thing, God. So thank you for her answer to this, that she's moving there uh, with just full trust and faith in you, God. I pray for encouragement. I pray for um, commissioning by you. I pray that she makes great connections there, but I also pray for protection. Uh, you know, this world, it, there's all kinds of stuff going on. We know that there's a lot of unrest happening in Haiti right now, but she is a carrier of that light. Uh, in this dark world. I pray for her travels. I pray we lift her up uh, for those and the things that are going on in Haiti right now that you just uh, allow her to get there. Um, and Lord, we just pray for protection in her and we just pray uh, that as she already has the courage for you that, that she will see you working and moving in that place, that she is a carrier of the gospel and that we keep her in our prayers, that we lift her up. Uh, we lift her up in the name of Jesus Christ. So we pray as she goes that we just see more people do this, that, that more people are encouraged just by this prayer here this morning morning uh, that, that they get empowered and called by you to go. So we lift her up. Thank you for her answer and response to you. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give Sydney a hand. Let's give Sydney a hand. Let's say thanks. All right. She's going to be here for a few more weeks. Um, so she's leaving sometime in August. And so uh, if you see her, um, give her some encouragement. Give her some uh, prayers. Uh, she's going right now to, to work at Ridge Kids. So there you go. Um, so we have an open spot at Rich Kids if anybody would like to sign up for Rich Kids. And I'm looking for a babysitter, okay? So there you go. Hey, we are in a series uh, where we are loading up the car and we are traveling uh, with Jesus like a road trip that a lot of us take in the summer. Uh, and so why we're doing this is when you look at the incredible life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, when you encounter all these things that happen with him, what you see is as you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, uh, the gospels that, that primarily talk about Jesus and his journey, that he had this destination to the cross. But on that journey, we see all these side trips and, and see these places where he has these encounters with people. And every time there's these encounters that he has, 
has with people, people change. That he changes people. It changes them forever. And so we've been reading these stories for over the summer. We've been looking into these because we believe that we can look into these and challenge ourselves, not only to see, hey, how do I fit in uh, as I read this story? How do I fit in with God? How do I fit in uh, with where Jesus is and what he's saying? But, but also to say, you know, that we can actually see change happen in ourselves through these moments, through these conversations that Jesus has, because he's still having them even today. So let's get to it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and open them up to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five is where we're going to be. As you're opening up to there, um, I love bedtime routines. I love the bedtime routine with my kids, especially right now. I, I love everything about it. Uh, I love reading to them, you know, reading the stories that we have. Uh, but I especially love praying with my kids. And the big reason why I love praying with my kids is because you never know what a two-year-old and a four-year-old will say they're thankful for. Like literally you never know. Like it's just great to wonder what are they gonna be thankful about today? Like chair, like it's just great. Uh, so that's first of all, but, um, and, and so what what I've been doing as I've been praying with my kids is I've been uh, going through some, some aspects of Jesus with them. I've been saying, hey, let's talk about Jesus. Let's see who Jesus is and talk about who he is. So we've just been going through things in our prayers like Jesus is our friend. Jesus is our savior. He's kind. He's merciful. I'd say he's compassionate. And we talk about compassion. And so I love going through those things. Uh, and then I give them opportunities to fill in the blanks where I just say, Jesus, you are. And I'm telling you, every time I do that with my kids, I'm not kidding you, it's every time for both of my kids, when I say, Jesus, you are, one of the first words that they say is powerful. You are powerful. And I love that. I love that they say it because gang, he is, he is powerful. And it's funny how a two-year-old saying, Jesus, you are powerful, challenges my own thinking about how I think Jesus is powerful. It's really funny how God teaches me through a two-year-old because here's the thing, Roxy doesn't mail it in. Like she doesn't mail in when she says you're powerful. She says it with gusto. She has like a little spittle on her. Like when she goes, pow. And sometimes she has that fist in the air. She goes, you're powerful. And it's funny that God teaches me that because one day I walked out and she did that. And I'm like, man, Jesus, you are powerful. Like you are not human powerful. You are terrifyingly, amazingly, spectacularly powerful. Do I get it, you know? And, and I'm wondering like, man, am I mailing it in? Am I mailing it in while Roxy's spitting on my face? Like, am I getting this, Jesus, you know? And so it's funny how that happens. And so I wanna maybe start today and I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you and your thinking. When I say, Jesus, you are powerful, what do you think about? Where do you go? with that. Because today we are going to see a story. We are going to encounter a power that Jesus has that is not human. It's not just a physical power. It is going to push the envelope for every one of us because we are going to go into the realm of the spirit world where there's good and evil and demons and angels and all that stuff. We're going to see Jesus today encounter a guy that's probably the most messed up guy in the entire Bible. And he is going to send out and drive out thousands of demons. And there's going to be a bunch of pigs that were in the wrong place at the wrong time. So glad you're here. Welcome to church. Things got real. Okay, Mark 5, let's get to it. We're just going to read and see this story. It's an incredible story, true story. So let's go Mark 5, verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up here on the screen for you. Here we go. It says, they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. 
He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he, would always, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you. I had to look up that word adjure. I, know, I adjure you. by the, So if I didn't pronounce that right, whatever. I adjure you by God. It means I, I ask you, I beg of you. Uh, I adjure you by God. Do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Okay, so... I told you we get right to it, we got to it, okay? So Jesus and his guys, the 12 disciples, the guys that, that he's been uh, teaching, that, that they would say he's their, uh, their rabbi and, and they were calling him all kinds of things, but they were following him, learning from him. And what, what we were seeing happening is they were around this body of water for a while and then what they would do is they would go to towns on a boat and Jesus would go in there and he would perform miracles. He would, he would actually captivate and change people. He would do all these amazing things. And then all these crowds would gather and then they would get back into a boat and they would go to the other side. So they could either rest or, or get to the next day's journey to do the same thing over and over again. So this is what they would do. So this was what was happening. So they, they were landed on the other side of where they, Jesus was just ministering to a big crowd. You can read a, about that in Mark 4. And, and so they get to the other side expecting, that, okay, we're going to have some rest. But that's not what happens. This time, right when they get there, this crazy dude like gives a beeline for Jesus out of a cemetery, okay? And like I just think about when I read these stories, I think about being one of the disciples and I'm just, it's amazing to me when I put my, put my brain on being a disciples, because think about those guys, you know, Jesus isn't leaving in that situation. Like he's not going anywhere. And you're like, oh man, you know, like, so I want to try to put you there. So just imagine you're driving to uh, the store and the store is next to a cemetery. That's not hard to imagine. There's stores next to cemeteries all the time. Okay. And you look over there and you see this guy like he's like a hundred yards away from you and he's dirty and grimy. Actually, there's another account. Luke says he was naked, that he's naked and he has hair like Einstein. And you know, he is not doing a graveside visit. Like, you know that right away. You're like, he is not there visiting his mom, right? Like, like, and so you're looking and then you don't look away fast enough and he makes eye contact with you. And you're like, oh man. And then he just starts sprinting towards your car. Okay. You getting out and getting you some popcorn chicken at this point in time. No, you're not getting out of that car, right? You're like, I'll get popcorn chicken later, okay? And you're like, you're like out of there. But these guys, like they know Jesus isn't going anywhere, right? They look and they're like, oh man, here comes crazy. Here he comes, here he comes. Jesus, why are you smiling? What's going, you know? And they just know they're stuck. And Jesus is just like, here he comes, right? So I just, you know, and this guy, man, I just, I, immerse yourself in these stories. It's amazing. This guy though, he was legendary. He was legendary. He was known, we'll find out later, around 10 cities in that area. Everybody knew who this guy was. Uh, he was crazy. Uh, he was living in, in the cemetery. He was, he was, you know, everybody knew about this guy. He was ostracized from his community. I, I think at first they tried to help him, and then they tried to subdue him. None of that worked. It said that he just broke all the shackles. He broke all the chains. You know, he bust him away. He was even harming himself, it says. He was, he was hurting himself. He was cutting himself. He was doing all these things and we find out why. We find out why here. It says because he had an unclean spirit. He had demons. He had demons. So gang, listen to me. He wasn't just strong, 
Like he wasn't just wild. He was, he was possessed. He, he was being controlled by an evil spirit. And here's the, the thing about this idea before we get to it. See, even though Jesus had never really been to this region, even though he'd never really set foot in this area, see, that man knew exactly who Jesus was. The demons even knew who Jesus was. And in fact, right away they say, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? the son of the most high God. I find it fascinating. You see, Jesus and the demons, they had this crazy exchange. They had this crazy involvement already. And so it's really interesting. We find out also that there wasn't just one demon, that there are many. It says legion, which means there's thousands of demons. It's kind of an army term. There are thousands of demons in this man. I couldn't imagine the turmoil that this man was going through. And so here's the first big idea. If you're taking notes, it's as clear as anything. And I think it's why this story is here. It's what we have to encounter today in this story and journey with Jesus is this, is that the spiritual world is real and it's here and it's active. It's real and it's here and it's active. So, you know, if you're here this morning, you know, if you're a Christian or if you're visiting and you're trying to experience God, you're trying to figure out this stuff about God, maybe you have to ask me, okay, Andy, shoot it to me straight. Do you really believe in a spiritual realm in this world with angels and demons and all that stuff? And the answer that I would give to you is yes, absolutely, I do. No question about it. And there's two big reasons why. There's two major reasons why I would tell you absolutely, yes, I do believe that there's a spiritual world that is just as active and real as a physical world. First, um, I've just seen, personally, I have seen enough I've seen enough evidence, and I haven't seen what's happening, but I've seen the evidence of it to just prove it to me right there in this world as I look around in this world. I've, I've actually seen, I've had God experiences happen to me that I cannot explain. There have been people that I've prayed with, there have been circumstances that I have been in where literally the hair on the back of my neck would stand up because there is something that happened beyond the physical stuff thing that happens that you can't explain that God shows up in that way. I've experienced it. And it's evidence to me that yes, there is a spiritual world going on. There's something about God. And I've also been in situations where it's very clear that there is an opposition to good going on. I've actually walked into areas, I've been in this country and in other countries where I've walked into places where it's clear as day that there is an opposition of anything good in those places. And I've watched, I mean, don't take my word for it. Here's the thing, don't take my word for it. Like I would bet, I'd be willing to bet that you've watched things or you've seen tragedy on TV and you've watched that and you're saying, this does not make sense in the world that I think that I'm in. This shouldn't be happening. And you think, why would someone, right? This is just pure evil because nothing else makes sense. And guys, I'm telling you this today so you understand that's the answer. Nothing else does make sense. It is pure evil. It's a spiritual force that's opposing good and wreaking havoc in this world, and we're a part of it. So there's an evidence to me, there's an evidence to me, just that's the first reason why I absolutely believe it. And I don't always see it. I, I probably see way less uh, than, than I actually just see an evidence of, but it's just like me believing in radio waves or atoms or, you know, the air. So there's just an evidence of spiritual world that I believe in. And here's the other reason. This is the other reason. I'm just gonna totally throw out the Jesus card, and I'm gonna say, I also believe it because I am a Christian. All right, so here, here's what I want. I want to challenge every Christian out there this morning. Like you believe it too, because here's what I want to tell you. If you claim Christ, if you say I'm a Christian, Christian by definition is this, professing Christianity and its teachings. 
That's Christian by definition. Professing Christianity and his teachings, because the Bible says it, because Jesus confirms it, I believe it. It's a therefore. Therefore, I believe it because I'm a Christian. The Bible is clear, gang, in dozens and dozens of places. Jesus encounters it more than in this story that we're reading. So we see it over and over again. In fact, there, here's another verse real quick. I think I got it. Here's a verse on top of the dozens and dozens of places and also in the story that we're reading today. This is Ephesians 6, 12. Here's what it says. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, listen, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay? So the Bible tells me so, right? Jesus says it too, that there is a spiritual world in this physical world and there is a war going on. There is a kingdom of light battling against a kingdom of darkness and we are a part of it. I would say it's impossible to be a professing Christian follower of Christ and not believe in the spiritual world and the existence of spiritual forces. Uh, another question as we kind of read this story that I'm assuming some of you would wanna know is, is possession still happening? Do, do people still get possessed? Uh, I don't think it's the major way that the demonic works. I don't think, I think there are way more subtle ways that, that the demonic spirits work. But yes, uh, the possessions really do uh, happen. I think it can happen. Uh, can a Christian be possessed? That might be what some of you are like, can I be possessed? Right, can a Christian be possessed? Um, I do not believe that scripture points to that. I don't believe the scripture points to a, to a full-on follower of Christ, professing Christian who surrendered their life over to Christ, that that person could be possessed. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you're saved, your body is declared a temple of the Holy Spirit, which means that the Holy Spirit, it is indwelt, your body is indwelt by God and nothing can separate that, not even demons. That's in Romans, that's in the book of Romans. There's also a transfer that happens when you surrender your life over to Christ, when you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you come into a relationship with him. There's a transfer that happens that the Bible says that you are no longer uh, in sin and death, but you are now in Christ. So I don't think that a Christian, I don't think that a Christian can be possessed, but just like we see in the book of Ephesians here, but you can wrestle with it. There is a wrestling that every single person on this earth does have. There is oppression, there is influence, there is deception that we have to deal with. We absolutely have to deal with. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. We have a responsibility to that oppression and not allow that influence to actually take us away from doing and being who God tells us to be. So here's the deal, but it's different than possession. Absolutely, there is oppression, and we have to wrestle with that, but it's not the same as possession. But people can be possessed still today. Okay, so what do we do with this information, right? What do we do with this? It's kind of like, okay, spirit's world's there. Okay, what do we do with it? And here's what I think as a church and as people, I think there are two major things that happen, two mistakes, especially with the demon stuff, if you're taking notes. First mistake that we can make with this truth is that we can blow it up. And what I mean uh, as you're writing that down is I think some people uh, have the tendency to actually overemphasize, overemphasize the power of Satan and blame everything on demons and Satan and attacks and they're everywhere, right? It's like, hey, they took my parking spot, Satan, right? It's like, you're out of vanilla sweet creamer, Satan, right? Like, there's sharks in the water. That is Satan. Sharks are Satan. I, I, that is not blowing it up. But... <laughs> But like, you know, um, if, if you are there and like Satan's around every corner, listen to me, if you're there, then you are giving him too much rent-free space in your life with Jesus. You hear me? You hear me? When there's an excessive interest in Satan, he wins. He wins. That's the first mistake that we can make. Second mistake, which I think is actually the most common mistake that we as believers make, is that we actually blow it off. 
we also blow it off. Because, I mean, honestly, think about it, because we're physical, right? We're physical beings. Uh, we're created by God in his image, but we're mostly physical. We see mostly physical things. Most of the spiritual world, we don't really see. And so I don't really understand that. I don't think that it really affects me that much. It's kind of easy to get there. I've never really seen a demon, or at least I don't think I've ever seen a demon. And we tie that in with movies that we watch and stuff that we read, all that, you know, overstimulation that we have in, the, in, in Hollywood and all that stuff. And so then what we kind of conclude is, well, that's not really right. And so then what what we really do is we, we just kind of say out of sight, out of mind. We blow it off, out of sight, out of mind. And I think that's exactly what someone who's trying to mess you up and pick you off and keep you in check would want. To say out of sight, out of mind. Not there, I blow it off. So those are the two kind of big mistakes that we make. There is a spiritual uh, realm in this world. It's real, it's active. There's oppression that happens to every single person. There are these things that happen and these are the mistakes that we can make. And here's what I wanna tell you. God, here's why we need to understand these mistakes and where you need to understand, like, where do I fall in these mistakes? See, I, God does not want you to give it more power than it has, but he also wants you to be aware and alert of what could happen to us to actually kind of just peel us away. So, okay, so let's get back to the story, okay? So we have Jesus versus Legion, right? We have this this battle going on. Legion recognizes Jesus right away. Then he even calls him out, Jesus, son of the most high God, but they still oppose him. And gang, this is really important. It goes to show you that it takes more than just knowing Jesus to be saved. See, they knew Jesus. It takes more than just knowing Jesus to be saved. You can know Jesus and still not love Jesus. And so it looks like these guys are bartering with him. They're like, hey man, don't torment us yet. There's another account in Matthew 8. If you wanna read Matthew 8, write that down. They even say, hey, are you here to torment us before the appointed time? They already know. They already know the end of this battle. They know, but they're like, hey, you're here early, Jesus, right? It's really interesting. So they're saying, hey, you know, don't, don't, do it yet. You know, don't destroy us yet. And so this is what's going on. So let's see what's happening. Let's keep reading the story here in verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. There's the pigs. So a question right now being asked is, what's up with the pigs? Like, what? Like I don't, what's going on with the pigs? Some of you are questioning, like, why did Jesus have to kill 2,000 pigs? Like, you're starting to picture, like, you know, babe, like, you know, running down a cliff and, like, all of his little friends, like, following him. You're like, no, you know, you're like, Peppa. You know, you're like putting, and if you didn't put names to him, I'm sorry, I just did that for you. But you're like, Wilbur. So what's up with that, right? What's up with that? Like, well, here's first off that I want to just really make note of, and you can read it for yourself. You see, the first thing you need to understand, be clear, Jesus did not kill the pigs. The demons killed the pigs. Okay, I just want you to see that. He just sent them there, and because all demons are about, what they're all about is destruction and killing, they kill the pigs. But I also think why this happened, why he sent them into something else, this is my thought, this is just what I think. I think that, that for these people watching, maybe they, they needed to see something. And maybe Jesus, what he was doing was that he was showing them something that they really needed to see. He was showing them, this is really what my power is about. You're gonna see something and then just be, imagine being this guy where all this stuff comes out and you see all these pigs and all this chaos, all this pandemonium, what he was dealing with in his life. And then he looks at Jesus and he's like, Jesus, you just, you just did that for me? You just took them out of me that he could do that for them? I think Jesus also gives them a message and he gives us a message today. And I just, I wanna be real clear about this with Jesus. I think he gives us a message that he mattered to him. 
And in fact, he mattered to him more than a couple thousand pigs because there is a unique relationship that God does have and always will have with humans that he created in his own image. He loves you, he values you, and your value is really high in who he is and what he's done for you. You're highly valued. But the demons really did kill the pigs, just saying. All right, just saying, that was a demon stuff. So he drives out the demons, right? They, they go into the pigs and the pig herders and the disciples see it all, and it leads them to this conclusion. It's the second big idea that we want to get to today, if you're taking notes, and the second big idea is this, is that Jesus rules the spiritual world. See, the demons, like they, they were in this guy and overpowering this guy and controlling this guy, guy for who knows how long, for probably years and a long time. And then Jesus comes and it's not even a fight. Do you notice that? It's not even close. I mean, these thousands of demons, they are terrified. They're petrified of Jesus. And what I find really funny is they have to ask him permission. They're like, can I have your permission, please? May I go to the restroom? But I mean, it's really, they're asking him permission. Jesus rules everything. Jesus has authority in this world, in the next, and everything that you can see, everything you don't see, he has it everywhere. Gang, listen, Jesus is able to defeat spiritual enemies not because he was a great leader, not because he knew all the scripture. He was not just a good man. He couldn't do it because of that. He defeats them because, and the demons knew this, they recognized he defeats them because he is Jesus. He is son of the most high God. Jesus proves it, that he's not just a godly man, but he is the son of God. He is God in the flesh, and the demons knew it right away. Why is it so important to understand that? Why is it so important to understand that demons were terrified of him, that they were scared, and that he has total control? Gang, I'm hoping you see today that we're in a battle. I'm hoping you really seriously think about this, that we are in a battle. And we need to know, you need to know that when you encounter this stuff, when you see things that are not right, when you're like wondering, like, what is going on in this world? That we need to think about as believers, that when we wrestle with this world and when we fight, listen, this is so important. You gotta understand, this is so important that we don't fight for victory. Listen to me, you fight from victory. Do you hear me? Can you say an amen to that? You fight from victory. You need to hear this. When you feel hopeless or helpless or weighed down or overwhelmed, when you actually do come to a point where you're like, there is evil in the world. And, you know, that person is evil. When you actually encounter this stuff and you see the opposition, you need to know that Jesus has already won the battle. He's already won. It's not even close. It's not even close to being close. And you are on the winning side. You are on the winning side. First John 4, 4 says this. It says, listen, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Some of you need to hear this today. Some of you need to really think about this today. And gang, this is what I want to think about and see and know when I say, Jesus, you are powerful. You are, I want some spittle on that P. I want to say, you are powerful. I need a little spittle in there. So just, it's so true. So the demons get cast out, right? Guy goes and sees this. Wilbur's now over the cliff with his friends. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 14. It says the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. So just picture this. This scene is really great. I just love it. So you know the the, the pig herders go and they're telling everybody they go all over, and this is big news. Like it's big news of the day. They're like, you got to come and see. So they all these people were coming to see the crazy guy and see what happened to the pigs, and they get there, and the crazy man who was breaking the chains and, and going nuts and everywhere. They're like, where is he? Like, where is he? Where, you know, I don't see him. Where is he at? And then he turns and he goes, well, hello there, neighbors, right? And he's all clean. His hair's all nice, you know? He's got clothes. And they're like, and he's just sitting there with Jesus, just hanging out. And they're like, what happened? Like, what? 
What happened? There's no way that's him. What happened? He met Jesus. That's what happened. That's what happens when people meet Jesus. The guy who everyone gave up on, the gal who no one would ever think would change, the person who nobody ever gives a chance, they change because that's what happens when they meet Jesus. I mean, this guy, you gotta understand, read the Bible for yourself. He, in my opinion, is literally the worst guy in the entire Bible, and then he meets Jesus, and now he's sitting there with a flower in his hair on the, on the hillside learning Bible. Like, it's just, uh, and some of us are not as amazed as we should be at this story. I'm telling you right now. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens. That's why we say here, and I say it all the time, this is why we say everyone is welcome here in this place. Because no one is too far from God's love and mercy and forgiveness and salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. No one's beyond that. And we absolutely believe the change is possible because that's the business Jesus is in. Jesus is in the business of changing people and changing lives. It's just what he does. For some, change happens so fast like that guy. Like, I mean, it's just like you see it and you're like, man, that changed me. And for some, it takes a little bit of time. But you're welcome in this place until that happens. We love you and we know that change is possible because that's what he do, does. Because we'll never lose hope for anybody in this world. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. In order to have hope for everybody, you only need to have hope in one person. You ever think about that? In order to have hope for anybody, only requires having hope in one person, Jesus, the one, the son of the most high God. So he meets Jesus. Everything changes. Jesus' power is in full sight here. The man sees it. The people see it. I'm gonna tell you right now, you're seeing it right now. What do they do with Jesus' power? What do you do with Jesus' power? Let's keep reading. It says this, it says, and they were afraid. What? And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. First thing people do uh, with Jesus' power is they can reject it if you're taking notes. So people... They saw what Jesus did. Like they saw this supernatural, superhuman thing. They knew that guy was. They saw him change right before their eyes and they were afraid. And so what they end up doing is they asked Jesus to leave. They're like, get, get out of here. We don't want you. And it seems crazy. It really does when you read the story. But honestly, guys, it's not as crazy as you think. People do this all the time. People reject Jesus like this all the time. Just a few uh, ways people today reject Jesus. People reject Jesus out of fear. They do. They're like, I don't understand this. And for me to start to wrap my head around this stuff, I don't really get it. And what I don't understand scares me, so I reject it. That's what people do today. Some people reject out of control. They're like, man, if, if really, if you're telling me that this is who Jesus really is, then I'm not as in control in this world as I really think I am. And I don't really want to give up that control. And so you reject Jesus. I think a lot of people um, really do that, and, and, and so you want to understand that you give up control, that you want, and that's true. When you come to a saving uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, you do give up control, but people are like, no, I want to stay in control. No matter how crazy that control is, I, I want to stay in control. Some people uh, reject Jesus out of wrong belief. Wrong belief. Some people reject Jesus because they believe in something counter to what Jesus says. Even some who think they believe in Jesus are still rejecting him and not even knowing it. Some people reject Jesus um, because of that. There are people who would say, well, Jesus is, Jesus is my way to God. He's my way, and I do believe in Jesus, but I don't think he's the only way. Well, if you say that, listen, to you, you're rejecting Jesus because of what he says. You're rejecting Jesus and what he says. There are people who would say that, and, and here's what he says. He says, because you've got to look at this. I have it for you. It says, I am the way. 
I am the truth. I am the life. Listen, no one comes to the Father except through me. See, that kind of closes the door to other possibilities. You can't believe in Jesus and deny who he says he is. But we reject Jesus that way and we say, ah, he's not really the only way. Some people think being a Christian is about being good. Some people still believe. They're saying, hey man, if, you, if you're good, if you're a good person, then you'll go to heaven, but that rejects Jesus and why he even says he came. Again, look at just Jesus' words when it says, hey man, you could just be a good person and I think God will get you there. Jesus says this, he's, this is Jesus' words. Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Jesus. That's what he said. That's why I put Jesus. I just want to make sure you know he said that. Being good doesn't get you there. Never did, never will, never will be. You just won't find it in the Bible. Only can be gotten through Jesus Christ. You can only get God through Jesus Christ, the only one who is good. So those are the ways that people reject Jesus. There's a, still today, there might be people in this room that reject Jesus because of that. So these people who saw the power of God right in front of them, just like the demons, just like the demons, they saw it, they knew Jesus, but they opposed him, they rejected Jesus. Maybe out of fear, maybe out of denial, maybe out of not wanting to lose control or losing their way, maybe they love the pigs more than they love Jesus and they let that kind of power in their lives and it's scary. All kinds of reasons why people reject Jesus even though they know who he is and it's not really any different from what happens today with Jesus. But the man, right, Let's go back to the man. He did something with the power of Jesus too. So let's finish this out uh, really quick and see what happens. It says, um, as he was getting in the boat, Jesus, as he was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to, go, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone, I love this, everyone marveled. Everyone marveled. The second thing that you could do with Jesus' power is you can embrace it. You can embrace it, right? So this guy... He wanted to go with him, first of all, like, which I don't blame the guy, right? He's like, yeah, they kind of know my past here a little bit. Uh, I count 12. Can I be number 13, bud? Like, I, I can find room in the boat. Like, you know what I mean? He's like, they know too much about me here. They know way too much. I don't think I got a shot. Let's go cross the water. And Jesus goes, no. It's, it's, it's amazing. He goes, no, don't. You can't. Stay here. And he does. And he goes out to the Decapolis. Decapolis uh, actually means 10 cities. That's what it means. Goes to these 10 cities and he told everybody what the Lord had done for him. He told everybody that he could talk about. And the last part that I love so much, it says, and everyone marveled because they're like, I know you. I, I've seen you. You know, we actually took a vacation just to see the crazy guy. And I still, I remember your face. Tell me more about this Jesus. That's what I see. When I believe the best about everyone marveled, I think people were converted. I think people changed. I think people were like, tell me more. I need to know more. I know who you were and I see who you are today. I need some hope in my life. I need to see that God is real. And I'm actually kind of seeing something that's beyond this physical thing that happened to you, and I just do believe change happened. I believe change happened. Gang, this is what we do with what the Lord has done in our lives. This is what we're empowered by Jesus to do every single day in the life of a follower of Christ. Do you see that? He just, he doesn't say just do this. He goes, go just tell how good the Lord's been to you. Can you do that? Can you go and just say, man, I'm embracing Jesus and I'm telling people about it. So here's my challenge to you today as we're ending. If you're here and you're a Jesus follower, here's what I want to challenge you with today. One of the best ways that you can deter the enemy in your life and in this world is to be determined to tell as many people as possible how good the Lord has been to you every day of your life. What's something you can point to today 
as a witness of how God has been good to you in your life. It shouldn't be that hard, guys. It shouldn't be that hard. You know why? Because, because God tells us something about good things. He says every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. Every good thing comes from the Lord. So you should be able to say pretty easily, man, this God is showing up in my life. Man, God is showing up in this relationship. Man, God is good here. Man, there's a blessing that happened. I've got to give God credit for that. Man, did you know that God is so good? I mean, this blessing that happened, oh my gosh, I had this, this financial thing. Man, God is so good. Or, or my goodness, I had this breakthrough in my relationship with my son. God is so good. I mean, how often can we actually say that? Way more often than you think. Way more often than you think. Maybe it's a relationship, a blessing, a relief that you experience where you can just tell someone, someone, man, God is so, so good. So here's a challenge I, I want every single believer to hold up to. And I'm gonna challenge myself to do. This is something everyone can do. I want you to write this down. I want you to think about this for the rest of your life because I'm telling you it's a deterrent of the enemy and it is a pathway to light for everybody. So here's my challenge. Can I be intentional about telling somebody every day of my life that God is good in some area of my life? That's it. Can I be intentional every day about telling one person how God has been good in my life? And I want you to think about this. If every single follower of Christ could do that, that's doable. That's a great challenge. It will take ammunition away from the enemy and it will be an agent of light to 365 people for one person, for one person to infect the light, to actually go and be an enemy of darkness. I mean, it's amazing that you can do that. You're empowered by just one person a day because let me tell you, this is why this is so important. Listen to me. You might, I mean, I'm just telling you why this is so important. Do you understand this? I think there are people in your circle, there are people closer to you than you think and they need hope. They need to hear that God is good. They need help. There are believers in Christ that need that as well. They need encouraged. They need inspired. They need to hear, yes, God is good. I was saved 17 years ago, 20 years ago, last year. This year, God's good there, but he showed up today. He's good. I need to hear that. People need to hear this. They need to see the good news happening around them. You can be a carrier of that hope and power of God. Listen to me. People need to hear it. Do you believe that? I do. There are people in my life that I'm like, they need hope so bad. And you know all I need to do is say, God's really good. And I'm telling you, it will deter the enemy. It will take, because every good thing is from God. So, so carry that out there this week. Tell some people in your life every day in those conversations how God is good. And you can infect 365 people for the light and the son of the most high God. It's an amazing challenge. I pray you take that uh, as we pray today. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we are recognizing there is a battle. There is a battle going on, that there is an agent of light, there is an agent of darkness, but you have overcome the darkness. Darkness will never overcome the light. You are the light of the world. You are the light in our lives. For those of us who call you Savior, we have that light in us and the same power lives in us that we have overcome the world because you have overcome the world. Let us be carriers of that light. In the name of Jesus Christ, let us just challenge ourselves to tell one person a day, man, God is so good in my life and we can be a messenger of that light. Empower us, inspire us. We love you. We thank you for this incredible message and the power that Jesus really has and it's still here today in this world. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey listen, that concludes our service today. Go out there, be an agent of light, all right? Tell somebody how good God is today.